what I do know is that Blaze is in here training every day, working hard, smile on his face, just like normal Blaze Matuidi. Um, he's professional, he's stating everything in his stride and obviously as a team we're hoping it gets resolved but I don't think there's many players that probably are too knowledgeable about everything going on and um, obviously that's kind of above us, the club's dealing directly with the league. Just as Inter Miami was looking like it was starting to turn a corner and put all the issues of 2020 in the rearview mirror, this happens, Matuidi Gate happens, and now there's more talk about the expansion season. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, or in Spanish, Miami Total Football Radio. Steve, we're going to get you to do that on next week or one of these weeks podcast because if Phil Neville can speak Spanish to the Inter Miami players then we've got to get you to start speaking Spanish to me here at least a little bit and joining me here is El Primo his new nickname El Primo Steve Brenner Steve how are you doing this week? Bueno gracias um, <laughs> me llamo Steve uh, there you go see I did, I did actually do um, I did two years of Spanish when I was 16 so um, I have managed to retain some of uh, a little bit but not enough unfortunately to um, conduct interviews so well like like you do, mate. And actually, Spanish has always been a second language for me, and but it only really got very polished over the last, I would say, maybe five, ten years. And maybe especially in the last five years where I've really, like, practiced it and watched a lot of video and done a lot of researching what words mean and reading a lot more. So... It's taken me some effort for sure. It's not just been all natural, like it, like you know, like you said last week. It comes to you, just natural talent. We have we have some things to talk about this week, especially Matuidi Gate, which I alluded to earlier. Some interesting news came out on Friday morning, this past Friday morning. We'll touch on that. We're gonna talk about the preseason plans, Lewis Morgan's new deal, and a bunch of other small little nuggets surrounding the team as preseason has now officially begun. Yes. Practices started last week, but those were unofficial training sessions, voluntary training sessions. This is the official start of preseason camp. But before we do that and we get into everything, and at MIA Total Football on Twitter and Instagram, every follow we get, every subscriber we get helps us tremendously and it comes at no cost to you guys. So please give us a follow, a review, anything you want. It all helps us. But, Steve, enough of all that. Let's get to it. All right, Steve. So, preseason is officially underway, but a big talking point today and a big talking point since last Friday was what I'm calling Matuidi Gate. Now, there was an announcement came pretty much out of nowhere on Friday morning, early in the morning, from Major League Soccer. came out at like 9 a.m., I think, and it took... Us by surprise, and I think it took a lot of the club by surprise, but I'm going to read the statement for those who might have missed it or who might not have read up on it yet and haven't heard heard much about it. So this was the email from Major League Soccer's communications department. The email was titled, Major League Soccer's Statement on Inter-Miami CF Player Payment Investigation. And the actual 
release reads as follows. Major League Soccer has begun a formal review of Inter-Miami CF's signing of midfielder Blaise Matuidi, specifically investigating whether the signing of the player complied with Major League Soccer's salary, budget, and roster guidelines. MLS will not make further comment until the completion of its investigation. Steve, when you saw the news, when you heard this on Friday morning, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, was a, it came as a bit of a shock, I think, to us, probably to fans, and also, I think, to the club, who, who, who you know, stressed that they were sort of unaware that, that anything was going on, that the first time they heard about it was when the, they read the press release, which kind of raised, a, you know, a, a few eyebrows. Uh, it means that the MLS have been covertly sort of working behind the scenes, ready to sort of, you know, let rip with this with this investigation. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Paul McDonough was in situ at, at that point. Yeah, a couple of few journalists who are, you know, pretty well connected or, or close to him were sort of exonerating him from the start, which then immediately began to point the fingers at Jorge Mas, David Beckham, you know, the, the, the front office here in, here in Inter-Miami. Um, and then, you know, MLS said they're not going to comment. They haven't answered any of our calls. Um, and, you know, the club into Miami have, have been a little bit sort of sh- shocked, I think, or, or stunned the fact that, they, that that was the first time they were learning about it is when they were given a press release. So uh, it's all a little bit up in the air, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, it happens, you know, in, in European football, world football, agents are employed to try and get the deal done if there's not enough money coming from the club then maybe they'll work out different ways to get money in terms of sponsorship or other deals or they broke side deals it's that's the, the nature of, of of business you know that's just just the way it works but i guess mls have seen something which they don't like i, I can't I just can't believe for for one second that somehow paul mcdonough isn't implicated in this at, at all um, you know but obviously his friends in the media were very keen to sort of exonerate him from the start so We've got more, real, a lot more questions really than answers right now. Um, will there be severe punishments? I mean, I, I can't see. I don't know about you, but I mean, a slap on the wrist, maybe. Maybe they'll lose a, um, yeah, a draft pick or, or something like that. Um, but we'll have to, have to wait and see. Yeah. So I'll say this because we both, you know, made calls in the immediate aftermath of this press release. We're both trying to find information, and we both. Heard similar things with regards to Inter Miami's initial reaction, which was one of surprise. They did not hear about this coming. Usually, when you know fines or suspensions or something along anything along these lines, normally there's communication between the league and the teams and the clubs before the official public press release comes out. But from everything we've gathered, this took Inter Miami by surprise on Friday morning. Now, we've also both heard separately that there are there is a bit of a nervous feeling within the organization about what could be found here. And you said that, you know, you could see it being a small punishment, a slap on the wrist. And given MLS's history with maybe not things of this exact nature, but other rules being bent but not broken, yes, it usually comes out to being a slap on the wrist. However, what to me, or what makes this different to me, is that in all the other incidents or incidences, I don't recall MLS ever putting out a public press release saying, we're looking into this to see if the rules were followed. I don't recall MLS doing that in my 10 plus years covering the league. 
And if they did that, they did that for a reason, in my opinion. And it's because I think if they find something, if they find some wrongdoing, then I think they will bring the hammer down. And I don't think it will be a draft pick. I don't think it'll be something that minuscule. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Time will tell. Phil Neville today said he expects it to be done and the investigation to be done in the next five to seven days. I don't know where he got that number, but if that's the case, we'll have answers within the next week. But I could see this being really bad for Inter-Miami. Now, like you said, and maybe for those that are not that familiar with how soccer or how football works in the global landscape, things like this happen all the time when it comes to negotiations and transfers, something you just mentioned yourself. And and people I spoke to over the weekend are like, you know, MLS could be opening up a, a can of worms because things like this happen in the world of soccer. What is different here in this situation and in MLS is that it has a salary cap and other leagues around the world do not have salary caps. And these roster rules that they have to work around or work with, I'm sorry, at least financially. And in MLS, you do have that. So, again, we don't have enough answers to say, well, this is what Inter Miami is looking at. This is what was being done. But, I mean, everything alludes, and this is all speculation because neither MLS nor Inter Miami said they're going to, they will comment until the investigation is over. But it's looking like either David Beckham or Jorge Mas might have helped convince Blaise Matuidi to come by giving him some money under the table, not not on the MLS roster books, for for lack of a better phrase. And yeah. if, if that's the case, then then that that's going to be an issue for for Inter Miami because he already played all of last season. You can't dock them points from last season. So what are you going to do? You could dock them points for this season. You could temporarily halt their, them from being able to transfer t- players for at least one transfer window. Obviously, you'd probably get fined if you're into Miami. I don't know. I, I think it's going to, if they find what they're looking for, it's going to be more than just a slap on the wrist. And I'll add this. I, I'm also surprised that Paul McDonough is being exonerated or not being investigated, reportedly, because the league hasn't said that. That's only come out from two very credible reporters that work for two very credible outlets. Doug Roberson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and Jeff Carlisle of ESPNFC.com. So if they report it, you know, I, I, would, I, would be, I'd be, I would be inclined to believe it, even though it's for me it's hard to believe because Paul McDonough has to have known about this. He was a sporting director at the time. He has to be, have been involved in some way, shape, or fashion. I cannot imagine that he knew nothing, nothing about that. And, and that's why I think, I mean, there's a perception out there from plenty of fans that are saying maybe he was the one that pointed the finger, that he's the one that was, you know, he's the whistleblower that said this is what Inter-Miami did wrong. So, I mean, I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, The Athletic actually did a piece when Matuidi signed last year, and they just they make a good point here that, you know, sometimes the big clubs can get around obstacles and sign a player like Matuidi. LA Galaxy did it when they first brought Zlatan to the league, signing up on a TAM deal that was bumped up to a DP contract. But this is interesting. His arrival in LA also coincided with him signing a lucrative new endorsement deal with Visa, and he later acquired a, later acquired a minority share of Swedish club Hammarby after buying a 50% stake in the Swedish branch of AAG, which owns the Galaxy. So that it's creative accounting in that particular you know, example. They they push money here, they, they push a little bit of money there, and, 
and they eventually sort out the player. So you can expect that potentially they've done something similar. But, you know, although this, they, they, they circumnavigated the, the myriad of, of sort of rules for MLS in, in, a, in a legal way, I guess, perhaps they've just found something which they don't like. They must, they must have done. But yeah, just going back to your previous point, I mean, Paul Madonna was at the club, so he, he mustn't be involved in the in the investigation somewhere along the line. He he didn't just fall asleep for three weeks while they signed him and all of a sudden woke up. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Like you say, we, we don't really we're not really getting much out of MLS, and all we all we're hearing from the club is just they were a little bit nervous and they were a bit shocked and stunned at the the sort of announcement that came out of nowhere. So uh, we we'll just have to wait and wait and wait and see what happens. But it's yeah, it's definitely a strange one, and I'm fascinated now to see actually what they found. Okay, let's 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 just like, before we wrap up, just talking about my Tweety Gate. Let's say that Paul McDonough is not the whistleblower. He's not the one that pointed the finger. Let's just say for this hypothetical. If that's not the case, why is he not being investigated? And obviously, that's you know, it's our job to look into this. We're gonna try, but for the pod's sake, this week's sake, the conversation's sake, why would he not be looked at if he is the sporting director? He is in charge of essentially making the signings. That's his job. Well, that's, that I was his job. He's not. I don't believe that he's not implicated in it. That, 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 I think that's maybe we have to look beyond. Not not disparaging. I hate to disparage any journalists, any stories, anything like that. But I I, I can't see. I just can't see that. I can't see it unless, unless there's some reason. But he was he was at the club. He was in he was in place. He was the man. Yeah, I would imagine they would at least look at him. You know, for for it to come out immediately and saying that he's not implicated is is kind of a head scratcher and it makes the whole thing a bit more weird. The way it ended, he you know he's probably a bit upset. It, it didn't end work exactly the way. He's a good guy, wasn't it? We dealt with him. He, he's a pretty stand up guy. He's probably a bit upset at the way it happened. You know, maybe I don't know maybe he's he's putting some message, messages out there. They did this and they did that and they're looking at it and then other guys have got wind and say, well, actually, you know, Paul, Paul's not really involved in something else that's happened. That kind of reading between the lines and, and sort of coming up with your own theories is not always great when you're trying to do a story, but that, that, that's one possible thing. I mean, yeah, that, that, I'm sure they're looking at him, they're speaking to him, they're speaking to other people, that, that David Beckham, Jorge Mass, they're speaking to these guys. And um, you know, trying to find out exactly what's what's happened, but it's all MLS's fault. The the the, the rules are too complicated. Just keep it simple. Well, that's and that's a thing too. So technically, sure, Blaze Matuidi is an Inter Miami player, but it's MLS that owns the contract, right? He gets his paychecks cut from MLS because MLS owns all the player contracts. So MLS is investigating Inter Miami, but also at the same time investigating itself in a way. So it's it's definitely odd, very weird situation. For Inter Miami's sake, you hope it gets resolved sooner rather than later. Let's take a quick listen at Phil Neville's comments from today. He was asked about it, and this is what he had to say about the topic. Obviously, we heard about it uh, at the back end of last week. Uh, people above me uh, have been have been really strong and said, look, we'll sort this problem out at this moment in time. There's obviously conversations and dialogue and a process with the league that is ongoing at this moment in time. My focus is obviously just with the team to prepare the team for pre-season. So ultimately, we have we have the best people, Chris, and, and obviously the ownership that, that, are, that are speaking daily, daily with the league to sort this problem out. Ultimately, what I see is is that nobody within the team has spoke about this. Blaze has been outstanding in terms of his attitude in training today, the, the rest of the players that you spoke about. And, and ultimately, over the next probably five to seven days, 
this will be sorted out between the league uh, and the management above me. So it's not something that I've been told that I need to worry about. All right, Steve. So listening to those comments from Phil Neville, any thoughts? Not, not really. He, he was just towing the party line. There wasn't there's not much more he could say. You know, this happened. To, this happened when he wasn't at the club. It, this is also an issue for, for people above him. Um, so you know, he just towed the party line today. You know, um, yeah, basically just sort of saying it's going to be it's going to be sorted out sooner rather than later. And, and David and, and Jorge told him not to worry. So um, look, he's you know he's 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 got different things to. Press, more pressing issues to deal with right now, I guess, in terms of actually getting the team ready. But um, you know, this is this is a front office issue and also an issue which he wasn't involved in at, at the time. So um, yeah, he said the right things. He towed, towed the club line, and now um, we'll just have to wait for this week to just see how it develops. But we tried to get some more info on the more meat on the bone today, and everything. Everyone went a little bit quiet. So I guess they're um, deep, well, they, they were they were they were all you know trained or. or given kind of direction on how to answer these questions, right? Like that, because even when we asked Leandro Gonzalez Pires and Lewis Morgan questions about how the team took the news, they just kind of deflected and went towards answering the question in a way where they were like, well, Blaze is in good spirits. He's smiling. You know, it's business as usual for him. So it's all good. And Sure, but they're going to say that on them. I mean, they're going to say that. They're not... Leandro Gonzalez Perez isn't going to start reeling out forty-eight pages of law and MLS well, law. Of course not. No, no, of stuff, course. No. But the, the questions were that were asked of them were, how did the team take the news? And, and clearly, the team probably went to training on Friday, finished training, and then you know they check their phones and they're seeing all these things pop up on social media, and they're probably like, I mean, that, that has to affect the team in some way. I, I can't imagine they were just like, oh well, shrug, shrug of the shoulders and. Let's just go on about our day. That's definitely like a gray cloud that's going to that hung over them, I'm sure, on Friday. And it's probably going to hang over them over the next few days until this gets resolved. So, But again, we don't have enough answers right now to, to talk about it much more. So we'll leave it there for now. We'll take a quick break uh, at the end of this segment. And we'll come back to talk about the actual soccer, the football, the football, as Steve would like to say, after this. Uh, what I would say is that I think there's still another 5, 10, 15% to come from Lewis from what I saw last year in terms of assists, uh, in terms of goals. Uh, I think there's more to come. So I think I'm really excited to see his development all over the next few years with Inter Miami. When Tweedy Gate out of the way now, or at least for now, we can switch gears towards the preseason, which again is officially underway as of today, Monday, when we're recording. Team took part in two-a-day session today, so they had a training session in the morning, then they had one later on in the late afternoon or early evening. They're going to be getting ready. They've got a whole bunch of friendlies that they announced last week after we released our last pod, so I'm going to go through a quick rundown and provide a quick rundown of the matches that they're scheduled to play. So Inter-Miami's first game is not until March 20th. It'll be at Inter-Miami CF Stadium, and that's a preseason match against none other than same city club, Miami FC, and that'll be the first time these two South Florida sides meet. I don't know what the name for the rivalry will, will be, the Miami Derby, the Miami Classical, I, I don't know. I don't know what, it, what people will call it, but it'll, it'll be a preseason match with a little something extra on it, a little more interest, not only because it's the first preseason match of this year, but because it's the first match between Inter-Miami and Miami FC. The following week, they play the Tampa Bay Rowdies in St. Petersburg at Al Lang Stadium. Then on March 30th, they play the Charleston Battery at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. On April 3rd, they have two 
friendlies. One against the New York Red Bulls and one against Nashville SC, both at the IMG Academy. And then on the weekend of April 10th, there's a preseason match versus a team that's to be determined at a location that's to be determined. Now, we did hear that that might be at Inter-Miami CF Stadium and that there is a possibility, or at least they're looking into the possibility of maybe opening that game up to fans, but a decision has not been made on that yet. Steve, when you saw the preseason schedule, what'd you think? I have to iterate this point. All the matches are apparently closed doors, except for maybe that last one. So we will not be able to attend in person. Neither will fans, which is a big bummer. But hopefully, keep your fingers crossed that we'll be able to get some streams to see the state of the team and how they're looking under Phil Neville. But again, Steve, what did you think of that preseason schedule? Yeah, I, I like the I like the Miami fixture. You know, you've got two, um, it's effectively Liverpool versus Manchester United. You've got Paul Dalglish, son of Kenny, you know, uh, the head coach of, of Miami against uh, United, Man United, stalwart, Phil Neville, Phil Neville, check, name check, Paul Dalglish today. They, they know each other from, from, from way back. They all sort of move in the same sort of Manchester, Liverpool, Sort of, you know, soccer circles. So um, that that will be that that will be interesting because you know Miami team are also back back now training. Uh, you know, I, I cover them a little bit, do do bits and bobs with, with them and some of the guys in their front office. Um, and you know, they've got a good little good little thing going there. Um, you know, and uh, it, it'd be interesting to see just just how they match up. And then just on a wider thing, yeah, I mean, we're you know, like I say, we're probably not going to be able to get to the games, but there'll be plenty coming out of it, won't there? So it's going to be interesting to see how he how Phil Neville sort of sets up and, um, you know, what changes we can try and elicit from um, from what poor old Diego, you know, left left him with. You know, is there going to be, you know, huge, massive changes in terms of not only personnel, but mainly sort of formations and tactics and stuff like that. So it's going to be get a good idea. You know, you've got to remember this is Phil Neville's sort of real first opportunity of, of coaching day in, day out for, for a squad. You know, when you think about when he was managing the women's England women's national team sure. you have them for a few weeks and, or a few days and then disappeared and blah blah other than when they were at World Cups or a World Cup and the European Championship so you know everyone's learning on the on the job so to speak so it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he, how he goes about it there was a question today for Phil Neville about the overall quality of the opponents there's only two as of right now two MLS teams in the bunch the rest are lower division USL sides so there were questions on it if this is the best preparation for the team. His response was that because of the difficulty with teams not traveling and the schedule coming together so late that the plan, the preseason plan that Inter-Miami was able to get in place was essentially this one. And that their, their plan is to try to get as many games as possible while not stretching players too thin because they gotta they have to work their fitness back up. And he said this... Verbatim, you know, they have a plan for 45 minutes worth of playing time, then 60, then 70, then 90. So it's going to it's gonna be a full work in progress throughout the course of the entire preseason. So these matches are being made, are being looked at apparently more so for the fitness side than maybe for the tactical side of, of it, which there will surely be, you know, wrinkles in there and things that they're going to work on. But fitness seems to be the, the number one Priority, which makes sense because something that we got out of today's availability is that Phil Neville wants his team to press and when they don't have the ball. And when they do have the ball, it wants him to be he wants the team to be possession based. 
which we heard similar things last year with Diego Alonso, and then we didn't necessarily see that on the field once the ball started rolling in games. So we'll see how it goes through preseason and through the course of the MLS season that begins in April. But from the sound of it, this team might be a little different than what we saw under Diego Alonso stylistically. Because Diego Alonso's team did like to press, but they weren't the most fond of trying to keep possession. Or if they did, which I don't think they were, because I think he left comments here and there last year where it, you know possession wasn't necessarily a, the end-all, be-all for him. Phil Neville apparently does really care for possession, and I think that's one major difference we could see in Inter-Miami in 2021. Yeah, you, know, you need the players as well, don't you? You need the players to be able to hold hold the ball and they weren't very good at maybe doing that last year so um you know with Gregore coming in maybe he'll just add a bit of ballast and a bit of maybe you know sort of solidity in, in the middle and he can maybe slow things down and they can just keep hold of the ball because that was something they just couldn't really do last year so again we'll see again it's early in preseason but that was you know what was said today it's obviously officially day one of preseason so take it with a Maybe not a grain of salt, but two grains of salt. And we'll see once the games start taking place. We'll see how it all how it all plays out. Another big news item from today, from this morning, was Lewis Morgan. He has signed a new deal with Inter Miami. He is now a targeted allocation money player. His contract details were not announced by the team, but Morgan revealed them on the conference call. He has signed a deal through 2023 with a team option for an extra season, so the deal can run through 2024. He gets a a pay raise. Inter Miami locks up his services for a bit longer, and they reward him for the season he had last year, which you know he led the team in goals, five and assists, eight started and played in every single game, 23 in the regular season, one in the playoffs. So a, a just reward, an earned reward for Lewis Morgan, but. There is an expectation that he can do more, that they do want to see more out of him. Uh, Steve, I don't know what you thought about those comments today, that not only does he himself want to see his goals and his assist numbers get into double figures, but Phil Neville said, I think we can get 5, 10, 15% more out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think if he's, he's, you know, he's proved he can, he can play at this level, absolutely. And you know, if he's playing in a better team or a team that's functioning in a more cohesive, concise way, um, then yeah, I'm sure his productivity will, you know, will will go up even more. He added, he's got the extra caveat of potentially, you know, getting into the Scotland squad. I, I did think he did sound a bit downbeat about that. He, he kind of said, he, you know, it's possible that he could get into the into the Euro squad when Scotland are uh, in a European champ, a, a major tournament for the first time since 1998. Um, so it's a huge thing for people in Scotland and everyone, you know, you know, people are desperate to become a part of it. Um, but he kind of, you know, intimated because MLS season only starts middle of April, you know, it doesn't give him too much game time to kind of get in the, you know, the, the good books of Steve Clark, who's the national, national team coach. So I, I felt he was kind of a little bit downbeat on that. Although, you know, he, he obviously would love to play he just was, I think we should prepare himself. Just if it doesn't happen, then fingers crossed. If you're Scottish and um, now you've qualified for one tournament, I'm sure you qualify for every other tournament ever in, in in the world. So he's got more. He'll have more opportunities. But um, and you know Phil Neville jokingly said he doesn't want him to go to the Euros because he'll he'll miss him for MLS. But I think you know if you 
you put a gun to Lewis Morgan's head, you pr- he'd probably want to go to uh, he'd probably want to go to the Euros because it's going to be such a seminal moment for for Scottish football at that point. But um, you know, let's just see if he starts the season on fire and, and, and it starts off really well. It's not going to go unnoticed, put it that way. And a new deal just shows that they've got confidence in him, and then that gives confidence to the player as well. He was again for me one of the top two players on the team last year, and I know for most he was the hands down number one. He was voted the team MVP from within the organization. I had him right there neck and neck with Leandro Gonzalez Pires. But Lewis Morgan absolutely had a solid 2020 on an Inter Miami team that wasn't very good. He was one of the only players that regularly or somewhat regularly showed up and, and tried to make things happen. And I agree with you that I think he can get to double digits, definitely in assists, possibly in goals if he improves on the finishing aspect of his game because he can shoot. He's, he's shown and demonstrated he can he can finish. He's capable with both feet, which not everybody is. So that's a huge plus for him. It's about just now finding the confidence and the willingness to, to maybe pull the trigger as opposed to look for somebody else, which is not necessarily the easiest thing when you're more of a setup man or an assist man than a finisher, but... I think he has the talent to do it. Now we'll see if he does do it. But And and one thing that needs to be noted, he's had five goals and eight assists in 23 regular season games last year. If you want to throw in the playoff game, it's 24. This season, he'll have, if he stays healthy, 34 regular season matches. So just on, the, on that basis alone, his numbers should go up. Now, if he misses time because he, go, because he goes to the Scotland national team, well, then that will obviously lower his appearance total that he can have this year, but that's to be seen. I definitely think he can do it. I definitely think he can be in double digits in both those categories. Now, there were other news items that were dropped today. Minor updates on Ryan Shawcross and Grigori. They're both still sorting out their visa situations, so they're not with the team currently. They're not training with the team. It's to be determined when they will arrive to South Florida and when they'll be able to take part in the preseason camp because you have to think that MLS still has those protocols in place that they'll have to quarantine upon arrival for X amount of days, probably seven, maybe 10. So it might be a while before we see them in camp. They might not get into camp until the friendlies are have already started to happen. So that's to be seen. And we'll just quickly touch on this as well. Phil Neville said there were a couple of injuries. He didn't give any further details beyond that today, but he said that there were a couple of injuries in the team. We obviously know about Ian Frey, who tore his ACL. He's out indefinitely. Not sure about any other injuries, but Phil Neville did say there were a couple of them. So something to to keep an eye on. We'll obviously be doing our digging on our end to see if we can find out who it is, what it is, what the severity is. Steve, there was a report today, not not something we were able to talk to Inter Miami about, but Mitch Curry, Sunderland player, might be headed to South Florida, although maybe not for Inter Miami. What's the latest you've heard on that? Yeah, no, he he is going to sign. Um, uh, he was released. He was he's from Middlesbrough, which is also in the, in the northeast of England. Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Newcastle, the big three sort of soccer teams up there. Was released, spent a year at uh, the Sunderland under twenty threes, and now he signed. Uh, but he's signed for the USL team, so he'll come over, and, and you know that's that's the good thing, isn't it, with the USL team? They can keep tabs on, on what they've got, and if 
you know, uh, an international spot frees up or they have enough money. And if he does well, then that's that's a move which they could, you know, bring him into the into the into Miami squad. So I don't know a great deal about him other than just what I've been told from from back home. Uh, he's a striker. He's a quick, quick running behind type was, was what I was told from someone who knows him. Um, so, yeah, an interesting an, an interesting move. I've, I've lived near Sunderland and I've also lived in Miami and I'm pretty much certain that I'd want to be in Miami rather, rather than playing in the rain and cold in Sunderland. So um, <laughs> good move for him and let's see how he, uh, see how he gets on. But he's, he's, he comes with, you know, pretty, pretty highly rated uh, with, and definitely with, with something to prove. Shout out to all our listeners from Sunderland, England. Steve just dissed all of you, but we still, no, we, no, still we still, not, we still appreciate your uh, <laughs> your I, I, listens. I, I enjoyed my time covering Sunderland. Oh, I did live in Newcastle. I, I enjoyed my time in Sunderland very much so, and uh, some of the people at the club there are, are fantastic. But it's freezing cold there. Just a quick note: he is a 21-year-old striker, so he plays as a number nine. There were two other little quick news items that dropped today as well, Steve. CF Montreal, Club de Foot Montreal will be sharing Inter-Miami CF's training facilities and stadium this season. They're going to start the MLS campaign down here in South Florida. So we'll essentially have two teams practically to cover in our backyard. Now, obviously, that's due to the Canada and U.S. border still being closed due to COVID-19 restrictions. Any thoughts there on having a second MLS team in South Florida now that we will be able to cover for at least a couple months? I mean that's interesting. Is it actually confirmed they're going to play matches matches down here as well? Yeah, it's confirmed. They they're going to play at the stadium. They're going to use the facility. I imagine they'll have different fields or they'll use the back fields. I, I don't or maybe they'll use the same fields. But well, I, I would I would ima- I'd imagine that they use different fields because obviously the wear and tear will be pretty heavy if you you have two teams training on the same field. You know, x amount of times a day, uh, x amount of times a week. So there's enough fields at Inter Miami CF facility training facility where they'll be able to train on their own fields so I, I that's why i imagine they were able to to strike this deal and say hey let's let's make it happen down here so yeah that, they're, they're, play, the, they're the, playing the main, games they're playing the games yeah. at uh at Inter miami stadium which which again will, will, it could be quite problematic because the you know the pitch will will have twice as many matches on it than, than it usually has so that does i guess something for the for the grounds but you know what a shame for you know, I've been to Montreal. I don't know if you've been to Montreal before, but you know they, they love that they love the soccer there as well. And you know they've got some really passionate fans, and it's just uh, it's a real shame for them. And obviously Toronto also are in the, are in the same position, aren't they? So um, um, and Vancouver and Vancouver, right? And Vancouver. Don't forget Vancouver. And um, yeah, what a shame Thierry Henry's not there anymore. That would have been um, that would have been a very newsworthy few weeks if he'd uh, if if he was still in still in position. Yeah, and I've covered Thierry Henry for a long time. So, and today when the news came out that Montreal was coming to South Florida, there was a small moment of, man, what what if that would have came to pass? But it didn't. Regardless, CF Montreal will be here in South Florida. I imagine we'll be able to attend some games. I can't imagine many Montreal media members are going to be moving down to South Florida temporarily. Maybe they are. Maybe they'll book some Airbnbs and stay here for as long as they can. I, I don't know, but... I mean, I imagine we'll be able to see quite a bit of games in the next couple of months. I will say that it is a shame for CF Montreal. They've just gone through their rebrand with a new jersey, a new crest, a new name. They have a new head coach, and their fan base will not be able to see that team up close and personal. I'm curious to see if the stadium will open for any fans that might want to go to to the stadium and check out any CF Montreal games. I would imagine maybe so. 
you know, maybe Inter Miami will open it. Why not? The stadium is being used. If people want to come and spend some money, you know, why not make it open and accessible? But no info on that yet. The last two nuggets that came out over the past few days, one came out today, was that Drake Callender, the under-23 U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper who did not make the Olympic qualifying roster, has now made the roster. Because Jonathan Klinsman, yes, Jurgen Klinsman's son, has been removed from the roster and Drake Callender has been called into it. Doubt he gets very much playing time there, but good experience for him. He'll be gone for some of the preseason camp, but it's notable and, and good for his experience to to get there and go there because you never know injuries can happen and you know he might end up being the number two and could eventually be the number one if certain things play out. And obviously the reason for the replacement was because of an injury. Klinsman suffered an injury during team practice and was immediately entered into a concussion protocol. So Drake Callender will be with the U.S. and Jason Kreiss, Inter Miami assistant coach now with the USU 23s for the coming weeks. The other bit of news, Javier Morales, he will be train uh, he will be helping train the first team. He's been he's coaches the U17 team, but he's going to be with the first team for the next few weeks in place of Jason Christ, who again will be with the US U23s as they try to qualify for their first Olympics since 2008. It's been a very long time. Steve, let's take another quick break and then we'll come back for our Q&A session and our final thoughts. Q&A time, Steve. We know the process. We know the system. Let's do it. And you're, you already know, or you can already have a hunch of what a lot of these questions are going to be about. This first one's from Endo. He says, what's the worst possible outcome if MLS finds Inter-Miami guilty? Lose draft picks, hefty fine, lose points in the regular season. Also, what players are injured per the gaffer? Thanks, Franco. So we've touched on all of this. Steve, you think it'll be a slap on the wrist? I mean, unless there's something crazily untoward that we're just unaware of, um, you know, brown paper bags meeting on, on a on the <laughs> briefcase, a, 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 meeting on the on the at the turnpike at 4 a.m. with Paul McDonough in a bag of millions of dollars. I mean, no, <laughs> I, I, you know, we don't we don't know, do we? we? We don't know, and like you said, it's kind of unprecedented. Um, I, I think probably a, a fine, but it just it depends. I mean, if it's a complete nefarious terrible thing they've done and, and who, who knows but I, I just think maybe they've been tipped off by some something or someone and they're, they're looking into it and you know how, how bad how bad can it be famous last words but you know I, I'd, I'd say now without not any knowledge of exactly what's happening um, that may maybe a fine or, or, or warning or you know and then they'll be under close scrutiny moving forward so if anything it will maybe sort of strike about both strike a call for, for other clubs that just to make sure they keep their houses in order because MLS are watching. I'll reiterate what I said earlier. If Inter Miami is found guilty of whatever MLS is investigating them for, a fine is absolutely part of the punishment and part of the equation. But I don't think it will just be a fine. I think the hammer will come down pretty strongly Again, I don't have any inside info on what is exactly being looked at, but just based on reading the press release and 
talking to different people, it seems like they're saying Inter Miami might have broken some rules and p- p- paid Blaze Matuidi in some way, shape, or form that's not copacetic with Major League Soccer's rules and regulations. Why they're singling out Inter Miami is curious. Hopefully, we'll get some answers soon. We're going to keep doing our jobs and try to dig and find out what the heck is going on because obviously this is a messy situation for Inter Miami. Next question comes from Carlos Segovia. How would it affect Montreal using Inter Miami facilities? Is it beneficial financially for an expansion team year two with new coach? How good is it to have a second team training with you? Well, they'll be training at the same facility together, but they're not going to be training with each other. I imagine Inter Miami will have first dibs on what time they want to train, be it in the morning or the afternoon. I assume they would stick with the morning routine and Montreal would probably train in the evening. It's definitely a plus for Inter Miami financially because there's no way Montreal's getting this for free. Just like when, you know, Toronto FC was at Rentschler Field, Whitney and Pratt Stadium at Rentschler Field last year in East Hartford, Connecticut. You have to pay to use their facilities. They're not just going to donate and say, all right, well, here, just come use our facilities. You have to pay. So Inter Miami's more than likely, it's not information, it's just supposition. But I would imagine that Inter Miami is getting some money here, which is probably why, part of the reason why they did it as well. Good little extra source of revenue for them. No, no, nothing, Steve. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if they obviously if they get fined for Blaise Matuidi, at least the money then they will recoup from Montreal. So it works out. I, I can see what they're doing now. So, but now, now we've worked it out, right? They're, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna hire you. They're gonna hire you for all their uh, back room back door uh, dealings, my friend, because that is that is clever. Montreal is essentially gonna be paying for for Blaise Matuidi's exactly. fine. Commit a crime. So commit a crime. Start a global pandemic. Get another club to come and then play at your stadium and then you recoup the money. I mean, it's just genius. genius. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And look, and to make it even more twist of fate and ironic is that Blaise Matuidi is French. And in, oh. Mon- in Montreal, there's got, they've got that French connection. So it's all in there. It's all in there. Throw in a, throw in a, like, throw in a like bit Poirot. of... Po- yeah, is, that, is that lost on you, Poirot? Do you know who Poirot is? <laughs> well, I was going to say, throw in some poutine because you asked me if I've been to Montreal. I have been once. Throw in some right. poutine and you've got a, you've got a whole deal. Oh, it's all coming together. Wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna call the police right. I'm gonna call the police immediately <laughs> after this is finished. I hope Don Garber's not listening because they might actually believe that. No, I'm just kidding. The following question, Steve, comes from Fighting Herons. The team still has a massive hole at left back. Are the transfer windows open in South America? Where can they get one from at this point in the season? So, Steve, I'll answer this one first because the transfer window in MLS is open, so they can go and sign a player from any part of the world right now and get him right now. The European transfer windows are closed, but that just means that European clubs can't sign players. But if an MLS team came and bought somebody right now, they could leave if they, you know, if they agreed on a number now. So they have options. They, they can look around, around the globe. Obviously they've been in talks with Kieran Gibbs. Steve, is there anything that you've heard recently on that? Is that still in limbo? Still kind of a question mark? What have you heard as of late with regards to that? No, nothing on nothing on Kieran Gibbs from, from three weeks ago and it sounded like it was a, it was a done deal. Um, it's kind of stalled a bit. You know, Chris Henderson said to me when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago now that if, if he was to come in the middle of the season, that would be fine. Um, they're kind of running out of time a little bit when, you know, we're talking about Ryan Shawcross 
you know, having to go through the visa process, it does take time, especially in these in these uncertain times, difficult times. Um, so no, I think it's he's still a target, but we'll have to um, have to make some calls and see see what's happening. But that hasn't that hasn't happened, does it? When we, we thought it, it would do. Um, so I'm sure they they've got Plan B, Plan C, Plan D. So um, you know that if that doesn't happen, then they'll just they'll have to move on. And in just kind of a ironic twist of fate, Inter Miami has publicly and openly said that they still have two roster spots, that left back being one of them, that they want to fill before the start of the season, which is very similar to last year when they had two roster spots that they wanted to fill before the start of the season and they did not. Eventually got Gonzalo Higuain and Blaise Matuidi, striker and center midfielder. Just kind of ironic and, I don't know if funny is the right term, but just kind of weird how that how that plays out kind of similarly again as preseason begins. So last question comes from Atlante Herons 2020. True or false, the MLS investigation is rooted in the complaints of salty owners who can't get over how much Beckham and Moss paid for the expansion fee. I mean, yeah, good point. Maybe. I mean, uh, who, yeah, who knows? Who knows? So, the, the, some Someone is disgruntled, I think, or, or, or they, like we say, they've been tipped off. Or so there's, I think there's an element of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone's trying to fight their own corner. I know it's like a single entity, you know, uh, structure where everyone has their own slice of the pie, but yeah, some some clubs, I guess, have got more free flowing cash than, than than others, and maybe some of them don't don't like it. There's jealousy there, of course, but that's what comes with with competition, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's, like I said, there's that perception that Paul McDonough is the one that pointed the finger. You know, disgruntled ex-employee can't necessarily do it publicly because you've got to imagine he has a non-disclosure agreement in 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 his deal from leaving Inter Miami. Since he wasn't technically fired, he technically stepped down. So maybe, you know, people are saying that he he did it privately and behind closed doors and he pointed the finger at Inter Miami. There was a lot of memes, some funny ones that came out last week uh, that were sent to me on a couple of instances. Again, I, we don't have information, so I, I can't sit here and say, you know, Paul McDonough did it because I don't know. There's definitely that perception out there, though. That, or we, we, that we could had. be blowing it up into nothing and, and it may just be, you know, just the the... the, the... The, the way that they're just going about the investigation and it will just turn up that, that he was maybe given some money that he shouldn't have really been given, but they tried to sort of relocate the money elsewhere. I mean, we, we just, we don't know, but it just... But why? But why but why send out the release then? Why not just do it privately? I, I, I don't... I don't I don't get that aspect of it. Unless, unless, unless all of a sudden in 2021 is trying to be this new transparent, super transparent league, which it hasn't always been... I just don't get why the whole press release, why, you know, not, not even communicate with Inter-Miami that this was coming. You know, there's just, just a lot of elements to it that make it a very strange, strange uh, situation. But, Steve, that's it for the Q&A session this week. We kept it light. We kept it short. Final thoughts from you. Final f- thoughts from me. And we'll wrap up this week's show. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, it's good they're back preseason now. We're starting to get a feel that, you know, the season is, is going to be upon us pretty soon. Fingers crossed we're going to be potentially going down to the training ground and, and, and doing more stuff rather than sat sat on Zoom. Um, it's just, yeah, this is just the, the, the Matuidi thing. It's just put a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of, you know, preseason preparations. You know, we're asking questions to Phil Neville and we're asking, you know, the players. And it's just you know, not unsettling, but it's, it's kind of a distraction that they don't really... Sure. I really want, but I really think when we, you know, we look back and 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 you know, the, the whatever is announced is announced. I think 
potentially may have, we may have blown it up a little bit more than than, than it was necessary. But who knows? It's just like we say, it's, it's it's a very strange one. But hopefully, it will get resolved one way or another. I don't think it's going to be completely detrimental to the to the club and, and, and their preseason preparations. Um, it's a spanner in the works, and um, we'll let them move on. And hopefully, you know, a couple of, couple of new signings in the in the next few weeks. I mean, and then um, they should be in relatively fine fettle. So my final thought is this needs to be mentioned. We didn't touch on it at all during this pod. It was reported by the Miami Herald that Blaze Matuidi will be taking up a DP spot this season, similar to kind of Zlatan's deal with the LA Galaxy. Since he came for half a season, initially he didn't fall under the DP threshold. However, they made it work in their books. Same happened for Matuidi, but now that he's on a full season cap hit, he is going to be a DP that puts Miami at four designated players right now on the roster. Matias Pellegrini, Rodolfo Pizarro, Gonzalo Higuain, Blaise Matuidi. How do they get roster compliant in due time is going to be something Chris Henderson is going to have to figure out and work around. They're trying to see, obviously, if they can put Pellegrini in that under-22 initiative. If they can, then, you know, then that obviously solves that problem and they'll have their three DP spots filled. They won't be able to go out and get another DP. We had talked about that last week because the news of Matuidi being a DP had not come out yet. So it looks like now he is going to be a DP. There's four slots right now. If they can't get Pellegrini under that under-22 threshold, they're going to have to buy somebody else's cap hit down if, if that's possible based on the numbers. And if not, then you're looking at a tough situation where either a contract's going to have to be bought out or you're going to have to sell or loan out a player. It could be very difficult if if they don't get that passage on, on Pellegrini, but we'll see how that plays out. But that does it for this week's podcast. As always, please give us a like and a review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, and of course, follow us on all our social media channels. We'll be back next week as preseason continues to roll along and as the Blaze Matweedy investigation potentially comes to a conclusion and as we speak to more of Inter Miami's team. So we'll be back next week and we'll talk to you guys again in a few days.